And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 628, continuing our preview of the 2024 fantasy baseball season, team by team. We are in the AL Central right now, hitting up the Minnesota Twins. Fun team, a team that always seems to hang around, contend, let you down. They won a playoff game this past year, though. That was big. Some other fun things along the way. So we'll go over the offensive players, the pitchers, maybe some prospects, things to look forward to in your fantasy baseball season. And in order to do so, have a special guest, friend of the show, friend of mine. You can uh, find him over at Triple Play Fantasy. He's on Twitter at dmindy02. David Mendelson, Mindy, how we doing, my friend? Bubba, man, it's always a blast being on the show with you. Enjoyed our conversation prior to the show, just catching yeah. up like good friends do. And uh, pumped to talk about some twins who actually won a playoff series. So maybe some positive momentum going into this year. Yeah, they're always that team that... Um, like they compete, they have their really good runs, kind of a, a slump, but they're always hanging around in the end. And like you could see a vision where, okay, we're close, but then they, they kind of falter. And pitching was always a concern back in the day. Well, they got pitching kind of getting figured out. Let's put, I'm not going to say figured out, but they're getting better with the young guns they called up last year, or at least developed more last year. We'll see where it goes this year. But it's fun to have you back. You were my very first team preview last season. And um, I got about 80% of people returning this year. And this year I'm trying to go division by divisions, like an order, people would say. So we're trying to go that route. So we're in the AL Central now. And let's um, let's kick things off with Mr. The, the seasonal conundrum in fantasy drafts named Byron Buxton. I don't think any of us can deny the talent of Byron Buxton. I think we can all agree the injuries are a gigantic headache when it comes to Byron Buxton. And this year, I think an even bigger headache is the fact he's util only in the NFBC right now. I'm going mm -hmm. over the last uh, 13 drafts, the ADP since 1213 in uh, DCs. He's got an ADP of two six or 287. He's got as high as 245. Now we know he'll. They say he wants to play center field. So when does he gain eligibility? He might get outfield at some point. But what are your thoughts on Byron Buxton, man? Because it's like it's more power than speed these days. Still some speed. But it's just staying on the field. Is He has not played 100 games since 2017. That was the only year he ever did it. So what are we thinking here? I actually listened back today to our show last year just to hear if my thoughts have changed or if you know, I, hit, I was right or wrong on some and definitely a lot of mix. But I have the same opinion of him as I did last year. I said I don't think he's going to be healthy, and I think I'm out on him at his ADP, which was higher last year, granted. Um, I mean, his season average is 74 games. And for a more recent sample size, if you go over his last three seasons combined, it's 79 games per season. Uh, and of those three seasons, the last two, he hasn't done anything besides DH. So he's not even playing in the field, and he was basically averaging 79 games per season. Um, it is listed that he's starting as center field to open uh, the year. And with Julian DHing, I'm sure that might not be an everyday thing. I'm sure he'll get mixed in uh, to DH as well. But I was reading up, he had... I've never even heard of this surgery, Plica excision surgery on his right knee. And that rumors are saying that he's the best. He's been feeling the best that he has in a while. But again, all that stuff scares me. But at the end of the day, his ADP is 278. And at that point in the draft, you're looking at in a 15 team league, like a 19th round pick. If he stays at that ADP, I think at that point I would be willing to take him just for the upside chance that if that knee surgery did do something where he had locked some athleticism, maybe start stealing more bases because of it. I'd be more willing to take the chances. Are we getting peak Byron Buxton? I don't think so, but could we get a player 
that maybe maybe plays over 100 games this year, maybe like 100 to 110 games and, and gives you respectable stats for that range. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. If ADP goes up, I will be out on him for sure. But where it's currently at, I'm willing to take the chance. Yeah, I'm kind of with you here because in years past, he was just like, I'm not paying that price for this guy. Mm -hmm. It was never going to happen. But, you know, like the million dollar man once said, everyone's got a price. And um, we're getting to that point where Buxton's interesting. I, I would probably not take him in a draft and hold format, but in mm -hmm. a fab league where you could drop him or you could put him on an IL if you have an IL type league, right. then Buxton's 100% more in play for me. Like I'm much more willing to take those chances because. Like I said, we can't deny the talent that is Byron Buxton. So if somehow he could stay healthy. And like you said, even if it's like 120 games, like what he could potentially do there would be really, really solid. So I think that's uh, at least appealing. I, I still want to see more. The problem is I'll see more. And if he does well, his price is going to go up. Exactly. We're, we're in trouble again. Yeah. So it's that conundrum. But um, at least, like you said, the price is at least more palatable. Which I think a, this year has been, and again, like I've been really starting to dive into prep over the last like week or so. And it's, I've noticed like, you know, guys like Eloy Jimenez is buried down there. Mike Trout has knocked down a couple rounds now. Like all these injury risk players are really starting to drop to where the ADP feels like, okay, like, you know what? I took him here. I'm okay with that. Like I'm not paying the the price knowing that the huge injury risk is there. Like the injury risk is now kind of lowered the cost to where I think it's more of an okay gamble to take these guys. And if they don't pay off, then that's why, again, they were where they were and you're willing to take the risk at that point. For sure. And there will be a trend folks on this twins podcast, injury <laughs> risks. That yep. is going to be a, a sad truth. Like a hundred percent. We say if teams stay healthy, they're going to contend. The, the twins would be a very contending team if they could just stay healthy, at least offensively. And that'll take us to Royce Lewis. Uh, the kid's amazing. He's mm -hmm. very good. He was 24 last year, um, 15 homers, six steals, 309 average in only 58 games. Power speed was great. He's a grand slam machine last year. But you got an ADP of around 50 right now. As high as 33, he's a guy I've had a very difficult time putting pushing the draft button on. So what's your thoughts on Royce Lewis? Yeah, I mean, you kind of said it like that ADP right now, man, like uh, 50, like, you know, Adley Rutschman is going in that range. You know, if, if you're into Yamamoto, if you, you know, are waiting to take your first pitcher in that range, Nola, um, I mean, there are really, really good players here. And Royce Lewis is a really good player. Uh, but keep in mind, I mean, it's it's a 70 game sample size over two seasons. Again, great numbers, 307, 364, 549. Uh, six stolen bases in 58 games last year. So, you know, if you extrapolate that, maybe you get 10 to 15 bags in a full season from him. Uh, you know, hits the ball extremely hard, 114 max EV. And like you said, a grand slam machine. I I um I love Royce Lewis, the player. But in terms of the price, I just, I don't think I can pull the trigger there, man. Like just not with that injury history. We were just talking about guys with injury risks that were getting bumped down. I feel like his injury risk is there and, and his, He's kind of at his ceiling, the cost that he's going. Happy to take him if he drops a little bit, but I think where his current cost is, I, I will love to watch him dominate as a fan, but I, as a fantasy player, I probably won't have much of him. Yeah, that's unfortunately. like I could see him, if he stays healthy, winning a, running for an MVP award. Like mm -hmm. I think the talent is ridiculous, but it just won't be on my squad, and I'll have to <laughs> chalk it up to next season, I guess. So that's what DFS is for for me, is playing guys like yeah. Royce Lewis. That's where I play Royce Lewis. This next player is a, a player I've rarely ever drafted in Carlos Correa because it's a, a trend. But I will say this much. First off, 
the dude's only going to be 29, which is insane. He's been, he's been playing ball since he was 20. If you, like, well, the foot injury is probably why he looks old to me because he just, like, stumbles around the diamond, it feels like, because yep. he doesn't steal bags. But the thing I will say, 135 or more games in three straight years, mm-hmm. that's a big plus in what we're getting from him. And he has an ADP of 258. So what are our thoughts on Carlos Correa? Because I'm much more inclined to take him this year than I have in years past if I'm good in steals. Yeah, I think, again, the cost to, you know, in the mid 200s is great. I think where people were really kind of thrown off, you know, 18 home runs. I feel like that is you expect a little bit more home run wise from Carlos Correa. You know, but every if you look at his numbers, he had a year very similar to this. If you just look in terms of his metrics as he did, I believe it was in 2020. Um, where it was a shortened season, obviously, but if just all his numbers across the board, you know, in terms of the way he hit the ball, ground ball rates, everything was kind of, and it was looked like an off year for him. And then he bounced back in 2021 to look like the Carlos Correa that we actually thought we would get when we get draft, uh, we draft him. So like, I do think there's a chance that he bounces back here and, and keep in mind too, like that was his first year coming off of the, the leg thing going on. And we always know, you know, sometimes first year coming back from injury, uh, maybe that, you know, it takes them a little while to get their legs under them a little bit. So I think, again, this is might be a common theme here, but with the, the injury risk down to an ADP of 254, um, you know, you're not you might even have to draft him as a starter, depending on how you draft. So, like, I think the risk is there for or is not there at this pick. And um, I'm willing to take the chance on him, just like he sounds like you are as well. Yeah, I'm much I'm much more interested in him now. Like he reminds me of a poor man's uh, Xander Bogarts. I guess mm-hmm. if he goes back to hitting for average. So I'll take that discount if I need some middle infield help later in the draft. Edward Julian is a very interesting one to me because there's a lot of smart people that are very optimistic on Julian who got his first cup of coffee last year, played 109 games. So about more like a Starbucks to go pack. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and he hit 263, 16 homers. There's some things that you could really like when you look at his profile, some things that could use some work, of course. But an ADP of around 222, bit appetizing at the same time. So mm-hmm. what's what's your thoughts on Julian when you take a look at him? Uh, I like him a lot. I think I made the mistake last year to say Jose Miranda would be my favorite Twins player last gonna year. I going to bring it up. <laughs> I'll, I'll take my L's because I also will make sure if I hit something good, I'll, I'll make sure it's known too. But I, I, I whiffed on that. I think Julian this year is going to be the guy because – his skill set seems like it's going to it translated well from the minor leagues, and it looked like it's something that's going to continue this year. Uh, I mean, he hits the top of the Twins lineup, and you know, last year, two sixty three batting average, sixteen doubles, sixteen home runs. But what and many people know him for is his walk rate. It was actually the fifth best among big league hitters with four hundred or more plate appearances, only behind Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, Kyle Schwarber, and Andrew McCutcheon. A uh, five twenty nine OBP and nine eighty eighty seven OPS. When he was ahead in the count too, um, he's just a machine. And um, the one thing I think he will need to work on is he was very passive in two strikes. He didn't really swing at a lot of two strike pitches. And overall, with two strikes, hit just 147 last year with 128 strikeouts. But if he can become more aggressive in two strike counts and make pitchers more honest and uh, not just you know kind of throw him you know meet down the middle that he's going to take and just make sure they actually like attack him a little bit more. I do think there's another gear there for him. I think he's definitely ready to make a leap. 222, I think, is a good price for him. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if that goes up. So I, I'm very much in on Julian this year. Yeah, I've seen a lot of smart people saying those things. So I'm very, very uh, intrigued by him much more than I was 
couple months ago when I started doing my, my prep. So I have to look into him some more, especially that two-strike thing. He's so young. Um, those adjustments can still definitely be made to produce in, in a big way. Let's go behind the dish here. Ryan Jeffers, talk about finally getting his chance and coming out. Uh, played 96 games, 335 plate appearances, 14 homers. He showed that kind of power in 2021 as well, but he hit for average this last year, hit 276. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, he is the 22nd catcher off the board of the 260 ADP. How are you feeling about Ryan Jeffers? I know Christian Vasquez is still there to back him up, but it should be Jeffers' world to live in, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeffers started all the playoff games, so that tells you all you need to know about how the Twins feel about him. Um, so I think, yeah, he will be their lead catcher. He hadn't looked great the previous two years, but reading an article, Jeffers re- retooled his swing in the offseason. He worked with their hitting coach, David Popkins. Uh, he just had a lot of unnecessary movement, and basically they just reworked his timing and bat path. And again, when I think the best thing you can do is, did someone make a tangible change and with this retooling his swing and then what were the results? Well, a 276, 369, 490 slash line over 335 plate appearances. That seems like a pretty tangible change that had good results. And he actually was tied with Mitch Garver, the best offensive production among catchers with at least 300 plate appearances in terms of WRC+. So he, again, the results were great. The one thing you might have a little bit of a question about is he had a 359 Babbitt. So again, maybe the numbers go down slightly, but I do think he is a very solid catcher to be the 21st off the board. Most of the time, again, that's going to be your catcher two in a two catcher league. So uh, again, I think he's, he'd be like my favorite, you know, catcher to target. And I would be like thrilled to have him there. He's going to be steady. He's going to be again in the lineup more often than not. And uh, Christian Vasquez is, is completely awful. So yes. they're not going to put him out there. And, you know, besides just spelling Jeffers, if he needs rest. So um, I'm very excited for Jeffers this year. Yeah, I like Jeffers a lot as well. Um, I just updated my catcher rankings and uh, I have him up to 17th and I almost put him a little higher, but I, at 17th, I'll, I'll live with that for now. Definitely like him as a catcher too. Like you said, if you wait on catching, that's a good guy to circle as, as you're going through your draft. More injuries. Jorge Polanco. This is a guy that used to be a perennial just stud. Obviously, 33 homers in 2021. That's not who he is, but still usually could hit for some decent pop, good average, but injuries have just derailed his last two seasons as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, And the ADP reflects that. Uh, ADP of around 273, 25th second baseman off the board right now. What are our thoughts on Polanco? Because it's similar to some of these guys we talked about. When he's on the field, it's serviceable, but that's the big question. It's interesting because this was one of the guys I listened to when we were talking about him last year. And then we were also referencing the year before that. And the year before that is when he exploded, when he had 30 plus home runs and 98 RBIs. And I believe he was a top five second baseman. Then last year, he was drafted as the 10th second baseman off the board. Now he's being drafted as the 25th second baseman off the board. So, I, I mean, going from top five to 10 to 25, I think at this point, he's gone down far enough again injury risk is baked in here so 25th catcher off the board or uh, second baseman off the board feels like about right for the production he's given you over the last couple of years i mean 14 homers four steals in about half a season 80 games so you know maybe in a full year or you know even if you're going to knock off maybe uh you know so he plays 120 games maybe he gives you like 20 homers and eight steals seven steals that's not bad. He's not going to be someone you're going to love as your starting second baseman, but maybe if you put him as a middle infielder, uh, he's going to be someone that as long as he's healthy, you plug in there and he's fine. You know, there's those type of guys that you have that you're like, 
oh yeah, I forgot I had him because he's just steady. You know, he's he's not flashy, but you're you know he's he's in your lineup and he looks good while he's in there. So like, I, I think that's where he's he's gonna settle at this year. You know, a 240, 250 hitter. Best case scenario, probably like 20, 20 homers, ten steals again. Um, and you know, roster resource, which isn't the gospel, but it has him hitting third behind Julian and Royce Lewis. So if that actually is the case, you know, he could have some good counting stats too. Um, not bad for him. Yeah, it's not bad. It's just a lot of questions, but I agree. Not bad. I had him on a ton of uh, draft and hold teams last year. I even picked him off off the white waiver wire a couple of times in uh, other leagues where he was dropped due to injuries and picked back up. So I, I played the Polanco game last year because I do believe when he's on the field, he can't be very productive. It's just a uh, guy stay out there. So that's the fun with this twins team. We said it before the show started. There's a lot of talent out there. Mm-hmm. Just uh, depends on when they're out there. And that goes to Max Kepler. This is a guy that I just love year in and year out. OBP leagues. He's a G, but uh, last year he hit 260, which was uh, outstanding. His best average of his career, 24 home runs, which is good. Mm-hmm. And his ADP is up to 285 now. I say up because usually he's even farther back than that, but he makes for a, a decent uh, later outfielder, I think. But, What's your thoughts on Kepler? Because forever it was he let off a lot of pull power, but other things are in question. He showed a little more this past year. Yeah, he had the most home runs in RBI since 2019, a 272 XBA. And um, he goes actually right behind Buxton in ADP. So I think it's kind of interesting at that point. It's almost like if I'm going to take a Twins outfielder, I'm probably going to take him because he's safer and he's shown more, I think, more consistent flashes recently than Buxton has. And uh, again, like he's the twins usually know when to put him in, like, you know, they whether he's platooned in the past um, and just again, he has a lot of raw power, obviously, arguably the most right now in the twins lineup, maybe outside Matt Walner. So uh, I, I do think he is somebody that's intriguing at that draft price. And again, it's not going to cost a lot to get him on your team. Yeah, 100 percent with you on uh, Kepler. Big Big fan of that price point. Uh, with outfield, gets real interesting as the draft goes on. So a guy like yeah. Kepler makes me feel a little more warm and fuzzy when, when I'm on the clock. Alex Kirloff, we got to talk about him because, um, <laughs> man, the, the power, the quality of contact metrics are awesome. The wrist injuries suck, but, you know, another wrist surgery is supposed to be healthy. Like, obviously, the early reports are really good, it sounds like, but still a lot of question marks to be had there. He's first base outfit eligible. You're paying with an ADP of 357 right now, so that's appealing. But what are you hearing? What are your thoughts on Kirloff? Is he better off as like a fourth outfielder on their team? Is he going to be a regular? Like, kind of, what are your thoughts here? I think they'll start him if he's healthy. But you know, what's the saying? Fool me once, shame on me. Uh, you fool me twice, shame on me. Yep. Like it's every year. Like he's talented, but that like he is a chronic wrist problem, and he's playing the sport where you need your wrists as much as pretty much any other muscle you're going to need to swing a bat. So like, he's not going to play a full healthy season. I, I like, I love to be wrong, but this was one of the ones I said last year and I was right. And I think it's going to be the same thing this year. He's, it's just, it's just going to be such a chronic issue that I don't, he's even his ADP could be free and I'm probably not drafting him. Like I would rather use that pick on somebody that I know has a realistic shot to play a full season and I'm looking maybe as a minor league player that I think makes the jump or maybe it's, uh, you know, somebody that I think is just going to, you know, uh, like a Kyle Farmer on the same team that is healthy and can play different positions. And I think is going to be there at the end of the year. Alex Kirilov to me again, like I, I just, I, I can't do it. I was out last year. I'm out this year. He could be free. Someone else can take the chance on him would wish him the best. Hope he's good. But 
I think it's just going to be the same story again. Yeah, I don't think I have any shares right now. I've done about nine drafts, I think. And um, I know for a fact, at least half of those drafts, I've seen him on the board while I'm on my slow clock. And I've looked up any recent news every stinking time. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I know the quality of contact, the hard hit rates, the barrels are nuts. But, man, it just doesn't correlate, which is frustrating. So I don't think I have any shares, tell you that much. But I know I've dug into him every single time. You mentioned Matt Walner a second ago. My goodness, you talk about power, like you said. This boy was crushing baseballs. Like when I was doing my DFS show, if there was a right-handed pitcher on the mound, I know he's a switch hitter, but that lefty power, like I was like, hey, he's always like 2200 bucks or something. Like play Matt Walner. This is what you want. Um, I always said he's like that free guy that he's either going to home run or strike out three times. He doesn't cost anything. Um, His ADP is 330 right now. Go behind Jake Fraley, Pete Crow Armstrong, stuff like that. What are your thoughts on Walner? Because there's been a lot of Walner tweets out lately. Yeah, I, I think it's funny because like you, if you go back to his ADP, even just like a few weeks ago, he's going like around pick 400. Like I think that people are really catching on to him, and I think it's going to continue. Like 14 homers in his rookie season, in a full season, this guy has 30 plus home run power. He hits the ball to all fields, uh, so he has a lot of great qualities. An 11% walk rate. So he has patience at the plate. They were talking about how throughout the season he was working on his pitches were starting with, to attack him up in the strike zone that he was that he got better at that throughout the course of the season because he was chasing pitches up and being able to have a better eye at those types of pitches. Um, strikeout rate still isn't great, 31.5%. But in his short sample, he actually played with them a little bit towards the end of the, uh, the year before that, and he had a 37% strikeout rate. So... I do think there's room for improvement. Will he ever be a low strikeout guy? Probably not. But, you know, could he be a guy that settles in at like 26, 27, 28% maybe and and gives you 30 home runs? That will play. So I'm excited for him. He's going to be one of my favorite twins to watch this year. I hope they, you know, if he struggles a little bit, they give him a little bit of a leash to, you know, work on and correct things. But, um, you know, he's going to be one of those guys that helps make twins games fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was Really cool to see, and like it's 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 he's not a switcher. Sorry, he bats left, throws right. That's where I, I misspoke there. So yeah, he, that's why he's in the is the platoon situation with Walner. But with the strong side of a platoon could come back in a big way, especially in that power department. A lot of Kepler vibes, like you said, but mm-hmm. better probably. So I can see that one. A couple other guys I want to ask you about. We don't have to go deep into them because I forgot to put them on the outline. But um, Willie Castro, mm-hmm. uh, ADP of around three hundred. He's third base outfit eligible, and this like. This guy and the next guy I'm going to talk about is because with all the injuries the Twins have, they play a lot. Castro played in 124 games. Yep. Um, he's played in 112 or more games in three straight years, two of them with Detroit. A little bit of power, all the speed on the world. So would Castro still be worth the target, even though for now it's looking like a platoon bat, but uh, he definitely has that utility upside. Yeah, Willie Castro, I mean, he came out of nowhere last year in a sense. Like, we all knew who he was just from his time with the Tigers. Even if you uh, look at his player page, it's like Detroit Tigers hat on. But, like, I mean, nine home runs, 34 RBIs, but 33 stolen bases, man. Like, and that was, you know, starting out as a utility player, obviously got, you know, in a lot of games last year. But that type of stolen base upside going where he is, like, you know, people are talking about in the early draft attacking hitters that can give you a lot of steals. Well, like if what if you get someone like a Freddie Freeman, right? Or like, you know, you know, Freddie Freeman did get some steals last year, but like you end up, you know, with two hitters at the top that are not where you want steals wise. Like this is a great target to circle later on in your drafts to go grabbing. Like, hey, 
how many 30 plus steel guys are going to be going this late potential. And uh, again, twins get injured almost as much as any other team. And you have guys, you know, like Buxton, Polanco and uh, Royce Lewis, like he's, he's going to get a lot of run this year. And the fact he plays multiple positions, he's one of the best values I think for what he can give you and what he specializes in. So I, I like Willie Castro a lot. Yeah, I'm with you there. I keep trying to figure out where I want to fit him in. I think he's a great draft and hold type player with definitely upside in fab leagues. That leads me to Kyle Farmer, who I actually, for some reason, had a lot of places last year. And the big reason, he's second base shortstop, third base eligible, which is tremendous, again, Mm -hmm. with all the injuries around the diamond for the Twins. He fits in there. And Kyle Farmer has an ADP of almost 500 right now. And he had a pretty darn solid year, all things considered, played 120 games. Um I think he's interesting as well. What are your thoughts on uh, Kyle uh, Kyle Farmer? Kyle Farmer is my signature last pick in most drafts. I always always take him as long as someone else hasn't taken. Like it's it's my I will always do it for the reasons you mentioned. He plays so many positions. He goes through hot streaks, and he's somebody that is just again like teams are gonna play because injuries happen, and he's he's not like as bad as you would think. Uh, for someone that doesn't get like a ton of playing time again, 11 homers, 46 RBIs last year, 256 batting average. He's, he's like, he's a Jag, but like, he's somebody that can play everywhere and it will like go in your lineup and he'll be fine. And he's going, you said like in the 500. So I think he's a little bit disrespected going that late. And again, that's why I'm always happy to take him as one of my last picks or my last pick. If, you know, obviously if I can get him there, cause, uh, he gives you everything you would want at that spot in the draft. So a a free square kind of for me there. Most definitely. And the last guy I want to ask about, and you really can just give me like a two word answer if you feel like it. Um, Nick Gordon, are we back now that he's healthy this year? Cause we were, I know myself and others were very excited about it last year, got hurt, never got to see any of it. I feel like that time has passed, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I haven't been too big of a Nick Gordon guy. I, I did like him for a certain point, but uh, you know, obviously there is, you know, the steals are there, but it's such a crowded infield right now. Like he has to have a lot of injuries break his way for him to be able to, you know, to get burned there. Um, what is his ADP right now? Uh, Nick Gordon's ADP is besides, I could just say free for fun, but yeah. <laughs> um, Nick Gordon's ADP 655 might as well be free. Yeah. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you again wanted to take a shot on him, I wouldn't blame you. I, I probably won't have any shares of him, but um, yeah, I, I think that ship has sailed. Where the, the twins were looking at him as once potentially as a future piece, and that's not the case with uh, yeah. the lineup they have right now. All right, let's head to the bump. Let's uh, talk pitching, and this pitcher we're going to talk about. It was shortly after we recorded last year where Luis Arias got sent to Miami. And when Pablo Lopez came mm-hmm. to Minnesota, and we kind of speculated about that on that show, uh, and it, it dropped a few days later, but Pablo put together an amazing season, like almost Cy Young conversation type season. He's done it for a few seasons now in a row. The uh, injury conversation's kind of behind, I guess. People are drafting him like that ADP of 36 right now. What are your expectations for Pablo Lopez this year? Man, you look at his like pitcher list page and it's so much red. You need sunglasses. It's like he had a phenomenal year last year. I know I was very kind of indifferent when the move was made because Arise, you kind of knew what he was best average hitter in baseball, but that's about what you get from him. Lopez had the upside to be a really good pitcher, but he had injury risks. And, but what you find out, you know, after the season's over is you hear things come out and, 
you know, I was just reading up a couple things prior to this show. And I think we all knew that he added a sweeper, which was, I think, a huge part of, you know, why he was successful. Obviously stayed healthy. He lost 25 pounds going into last year. Uh, so, I, you know, that could have had a part in helping him stay healthy. He just, you know, was whether it was eating right, whether it was exercising and, you know, getting more flexible, whatever it was, he, he did lose a lot of weight, added the sweeper, and that just changed his whole game. And I really do think this is something that's sustainable. I think injuries are only going to be the only thing that holds him back from continuing to be an ace. This, and, and again, not only was he just dominant on the mound, you know, at 31.3% CSW, uh, 15.6% swinging strike rate, top 10% in baseball. But again, like a 3.66 ERA and a 115 whip, like whatever number you want from an ace, this guy was doing it last year. And again, a top five strikeout pitcher in baseball. The Twins have been desperately trying to find an ace for the last couple of years, and man, they finally got one with Lopez. Yeah, it, uh, it's legit ace. The more I talk to Bloomfield and others, I'm starting to buy in because I've always been worried. I know I had none last year because of the injury concerns. That bit me in the rear end, but I am um, coming around on him being even better than I thought uh, in my first round of uh, rankings this year. So, yeah, I think I think another good year could be coming from Pablo Lopez, especially with those innings he could eat up potentially. I was going to add that too, 180 and 194 back-to-back years. Like That's, that's big. about as good as you can ask for in today's baseball. Hundred percent, Joe Ryan. Now talk about like another guy that uh, showed some market improvements. Got you the innings last year, which mm-hmm. is you know if you go 150 plus, I'll listen to your conversation. So he's basically mm-hmm. done 150 plus in back to back years, give or take. The ratios were not as ideal. Strikeouts were great. He's always been a kind of a home run con- concern at times, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of optimism. It feels like his ADP is 83. What are your thoughts on Joe Ryan? I think the ADP is a little too high for me right now. I was last year was weird for Joe Ryan because I was out on him completely. The only I got him in one draft last year, and it was my last draft of the year. It was my home league. And it was just because at that point I needed pitching and he was the best value on the board. So it kind of fell in my lap and it looked great to start the year. He looked like he was in the Cy Young contention to start the year. I mean, the strikeouts were insane. His ERA was great. And then he just hit a huge snag. And then eventually it came out that he had an injury. And, you know, ever since then, it, it seemed like he wasn't fully releasing, like he was holding up on his release. And obviously, like the home runs went up to a point where they weren't sustainable. I, I don't think they were that sustainable uh, in a full year. Like it was just um, his home runs per nine just skyrocketed. The part that's difficult for me, we talked about the ADP, but was the injury the number one reason why Joe Ryan became a mid starting pitcher? Or was it just that he had a hot start to the year and then teams started catching on to him? And then he's more of like a a low, a high three to low mid fours ERA pitcher with a lot of strikeouts. That's the part where I'm not sure of yet. And I think, again, if his ADP was a little bit lower, I'd be willing to take the chance to find out. But going in the top 100 right now, I think it's a little bit too rich for him, especially how he finished the year. So... I'm out on him right now, but I do think there is a really solid pitcher in there that if he figures some things out, could take another step. Yeah, he's a fun one because I know I have a couple shares, not a ton, a couple, but he's a popular you're either all in or all out type guy. It feels yeah. like right now there's some people super high on Joe Ryan saying, you know, like, you know, he got hurt. He can, you know, bounce back from this, all those kind of things. And there's some people like in your camp who are like, well, was it the injury or was it, you know, did he hit a wall or there other things? Because 
the fly ball slash home runs have always been a concern with Joe Ryan. Yep. That's just been his bugaboo. But um, so I guess the question is, can he get back and tweak on that and adjust? And, you know, he's a driveline dude, so maybe they'll figure something out. But uh, mm-hmm. definitely got to pay for it to find out this season. Bailey Ober, he um, was kind of a nice little surprise last year. Threw 144 innings, a sub-3-5 ERA, which was nice to see. Uh, strikeouts, a little bit of everything. You know, a tw- plus 20%, 20.3% K to walk is great. ADP of 153. What are our thoughts on Bailey Ober? I feel like he doesn't get a lot of respect, honestly. Like, And even just from me, too. Like, I think I was out on him last year. But, man, like, he's turned into a really solid pitcher, I think, very much under the radar. Uh, I mean, he's a cumulative 363 ERA over his three years, which is 57 starts now. Uh, he's got a league average walk rate, above average K rate. ERA, ERA metrics across the board are, you know, roughly within a half a run to his actual ERA is. Um, the price is tough, though, for me. Um, when I, I look at the players that go around him, and I believe you said his ADP is like around like 160. 150, yeah. 150. Like, you look at the players that go in that range, and, you know, it's like Michael King goes there. It's like you believe Michael King is a pitcher that makes the, the next big leap right now. Uh, you know, Merrill Kelly last year was, uh, you know, he was the most improved pitcher in baseball, you could argue. Uh, you know, Luis Arise, if you want, you know, if you're in a uh, categories league and you want to chase that batting average there, like uh, th- there's just a lot of interesting players that like I, I would take him. But at this point in the draft, I haven't done enough drafting yet to where I'd have to see how I want to attack at this point in the draft. Like if I am going for hitters here, he's not a pitcher. I'm willing to be like, Oh, well he's Bailey Obers here. I'm going to make sure I have to take over. Um, but again, like he's not a bad pitcher. I, I think he's kind of showed you he is who he is at this point, which is not anything to be ashamed about a, a mid threes ERA pitcher, a little bit above a K per nine solid walk rate. Going to be the twins. Number three starter this year. Like, a very much you should put him as your your three or your four and you'll be okay with it yeah i'm intrigued by bailey over but you made great points there because like i look at the other guys going around him he's got to fit your team that's for sure before you don't take him at that pick i am optimistic i think there's probably like a step back from bailey over but i think it's i think him next to merrill kelly makes a lot of sense let's put it that mm-hmm. way i think there's a lot of similarities between those two potentially uh when we're drafting but you don't really feel all you know i gotta take either one of those guys yeah when you're drafting either um, who else are you seeing as a, as a potential guy in this rotation? Maybe they haven't even brought him on board yet. Cause like Chris Paddock, who I, I like, but limited innings, he's going to need some help. Louis Varland was really good at times last year. So he can be kind of entertaining. Um, are there any kind of, uh, starting pitchers that, uh, are on your fantasy radar with the twins? Chris Paddock was the big one. Um, last year he was in a bullpen role, but he did look good. They said Emilio Pagan who played with him on both teams said it was the best he thinks he had looked ever. And, uh, you know, even in his peak, uh, you know, 1.5 mile per hour bump, obviously both the bullpen will help out with that, but he had a 36.8% whiff percentage on his changeup, which was the highest of his career. Um, didn't throw more than 58 pitches in an outing, but I think the twins are one of the reasons why they let Sonny Gray and Canton Maeda go was because they felt that Chris Paddock could be somebody that fits in as the number four spot this year. And I think that he is an incredible value uh, going around, you know, I think it was like pick 449, I think I wrote. So, like, he'd be somebody that I'd be interested in. Um, you know, you talk about Louis Varland, who came and pitched a little bit at the back end of the rotation and also pitched in the playoffs. He'd be, I think, the inside track for the fifth spot right now. 
Um, they have a, a couple of other prospects. I think the most likely one you also could see David Festa um, could make his debut this year. Um, he's got some good strikeout stuff for them, but I wouldn't be shocked if they go and they bring in another pitcher before the season starts. And then kind of a fifth person that soaks up some innings. Uh, there's not like a ton of pitching they have coming up in the minors right now. Like Jordan uh, Bazovich is in their bullpen. He was originally a starter. And now, right now he's, they have him in their bullpen. Uh, Duran, which originally was a starter and now he's their closer. So like there's, yeah, there's not a ton of pitching, I think, for 2024 that I would expect that is going to uh, push in this rotation. So I would think they might add another arm or two. Yeah, I think they're going to have to, and because they are that close, they just need to shore up that rotation. I am curious with Paddock, though. That that seems very – he keeps moving up draft boards, so don't yeah. be surprised if he ends up being in that 3 to 350 range once people get more excited about him because he is coming up. Varland had his moments, so – like I agree, I think they'll get their starts. I'm just wondering who else, but they do have Simeon Woods Richardson too, who yeah. probably will also have a chance to to get that fifth spot. Yeah, that'll be another interesting name I've even heard of. So that'll be interesting. But I feel like I'm with you. They need to probably go get somebody. That would be the, the way to go. But with the Twins, we'll see. It's always been kind of their bugaboo at times. Yeah. Let's head to the bullpen. You mentioned Johan Duran, dude. Is not he's nails. His stuff yeah. is so good, and it's so good at times where he doesn't end up pitching the ninth because it's so good they need him elsewhere. But he does yeah. have an ADP of uh, close to fifty-five right now. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling on Duran? Because, like I said, the dude is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, he's the sixth closer going off the board. So, like, I mean, he's nasty, uh, right? He's in the item is yeah, pick fifty-eight, fifty-nine. So he's you know right at the back end of the fifth round in a uh, twelve-team league. So, like, you know, in a 15-team model, he's going more in the fourth round. But, you know, he's an RP1 you can feel comfortable with. He's secure. He's the number one in that bullpen. It's not a committee. The only time he doesn't pitch the ninth is if they need him in a, a tougher spot. Um, but if you do feel like you uh, need to handcuff him, I know the closer handcuff strategy in some league formats is something that's becoming more popular. Uh, Griffin Jacks, I think, is the next man up. If something were to happen to him, he's got a nasty slider. And had a really good year last year. So he'd be someone. And then also Caleb Thebar is another really good pitcher in this bullpen. Um, they're the top three guys, no question about it. And uh, it would go and think in that order for who would be a closer. But again, Duran, uh, there's not as much a sure thing in baseball anymore, but like he's as close to it as it gets. Yeah, he's filthy, absolutely filthy. And I love the Jacks call. Ton of Jack shares last year. Still take it, just took him in a recent draft right now with one of my last picks. Uh, He'll get his throughout there. Regardless, he puts some good strikeouts, counting stats, and those goodies, ratios, and whatnot. So love me some Griffin Jacks. Um, you mentioned Simeon Woods-Richardson. You mentioned Festa. Are there any other potential prospects, hitting, pitching, whatever, we might get a taste of? Because we got a lot of them recently. Julian came up, and Royce Lewis came up, and they've, they've had – like Walner technically came up. They, they've had their fun. Yeah. Is there anybody else we could be expecting this season? Uh, there's an outfielder, Emmanuel Rodriguez. He had 16 homers and 20 stolen bases last year in high A. I w- wouldn't be shocked if he at some point was up with them next year. Their outfield depth right now is a little bit thin. So, uh, so I, you know, if you know there was a lot of injuries that were to break their way, I could see if he was having a good year. Uh, and, you know, they start him out at double A that he could eventually make get the call there. Uh, Brooks Lee right now is somebody I think will be there at some point. It's going to be a question of whether he breaks camp or not. He reached triple A in just his second full season and he plays shortstop, but he can play multi positions, which again is also going to play into his favor with injuries. But uh, he's the former number eight overall pick 
and he he's like the perfect like number two hitter. He makes a lot of contact, uh, you know, doesn't have like crazy power from everything I've read. But like he again is somebody that is just going to be a pros pro like he's going to be a cornerstone of this lineup, you know, in the next, you know, for the next five to 10 years. And um, he'll be, I think the, the name that you're going to associate if we do, when we do the show next year, we'll talk about him as like Brooks Lee is entrenched in, you know, second base or whatever, you know, position he takes. So like uh, I think he'll be the first one that you'll probably see barring a, a pitching injury happening to force the hand. Yep. People are on board with that league call. He's got drafted in 12 of the last 13 uh, draft champion so people are taking some late round stabs on him as a because he'd, he'd make sense like even if but between injuries obviously which we've talked about a million times to start the show or if it's even um you got like they the, say the twins are out of it polanco's 31 they trade him that opens up mm-hmm. her books lee spot like there's, there's a lot of angles to this team because like, there's a lot of youth on the, the twins right now but there's also a lot of, of age that could open up some playing time as well. So I like that Brooks Lee call. It'd be cool to see Rodriguez as well um, because we are seeing these guys get called up earlier. Uh, just don't take Walner's time. That's all we ask. Um, <laughs> but take Kirilov's time. Knock yourself out. That, that's Kirilov will, will give up his time, unfortunately, when it, yeah. it does happen. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. Like It really is. Like I've always wanted that man to succeed, and maybe he will someday, but yeah. It might be slow pitch softball. It might, it might even, you know what? It's like sometimes it might just be the environment. Like just if he's on another team, maybe it's just like another team doctor or like something like, like you, we've seen that before where like you get out of a certain situation. It's just like bad vibes and he excels somewhere else, you know? Yep. Send him to the Dodgers. It'll work out well. Promise. (laughs) Um, Everybody (laughs) else. I'm going to say that one, but yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say it out there because, you know, it'll get spoken to existence eventually. It's the way it works. But all right, my friend, we'll wrap it up there before we head on out. Remind everybody where they can find you and what you got going on. Always appreciate you having me on, man. It's always a blast. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at DMendio2. The Triple Play Fantasy Baseball podcast is kicking off uh, the new season starting this week. Uh, today is the night, January 9th. We'll be back on weekly starting tomorrow, January 10th on YouTube. You can catch us. We'll be going live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. So you can check us out on our YouTube channel. Always streams to X and Facebook. And we always have like Instagram and uh, TikTok stuff going out now every once in a while too. So if you enjoy fantasy baseball, obviously if you're listening to Bench with Bubba, one of the best there is, then uh, then check us out if you ever have some time and want to check out some of uh, Triple Play Fantasy stuff. Yep, it's a great show. I've joined those boys a few times. And they've all been on my show at one point. I don't know if I've had Eric on, honestly. Now I think about it. I might have to get Eric on. I know I've had cool. Cheesecake and Marty's coming on later this week to talk Tigers. Um, oh, yeah. I know I've had the boys on, and it's a great show to go on. Lots of fun. You know, Eric and I, we, we do it on the game. That's a, <laughs> that's a point of contention yeah. between us. And uh, But it's a great group of guys. It's, fun. it's four, four friends hanging out. Three of them are family, for crying out loud. Um, <laughs> so it, it's a good time. So make sure you guys check, it, check that out. Check out Mindy on Twitter at DMindio2. He's also really good with the, the props and football and everything else. So go check out that out. But for now, we'll wrap it up there. This is Bench for Bubba, episode 628, your 2024 Minnesota Twins preview. Catch you all next time.